All right, hello. Welcome to the Cosmic Eye Show. I am your host, Jason Napolitano, and I have Mr. Chris Sheridan on the line. What's up, Chris? Everything's good today on this Sunday, full moon. Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you for uh, for being here again. Um, I am the author of If You Can Worry, You Can Meditate, and Chris is the author of The Spirit in the Sky, and uh, we would greatly appreciate if you will check our books out and purchase them and support us. Uh, so yes. you can find those on Amazon, or uh, you can look at chrissheridan.com or cosmiceye.org for more information about uh, both of our books. Um, also, thank you for the supporters who are supporting the show, the Cosmic Eye Show, each week. We appreciate you guys, and we need all the help we can get. So if you can, uh, please uh, make a, a donation if you can each month uh, to, to Cosmic Eye. You can do it through anchor.fm slash Cosmic Eye. All right, so this week we are talking about mystical or esoteric Christianity. Both are kind of interchangeable words. Uh, We'll say that um, uh, one of the main kind of areas we're going to look at today, at least draw from as we as we usually do, as uh, as we usually do, is uh, Manly Hall's work. So we're looking at the Secret Teachings chapter uh, called Mystic Christianity, uh, which is chapter forty-one. Forty-one. So. Uh, if you have a secret teachings and you want to check that out, uh, go for it. It is just, like I said, entitled Mystic Christianity. So we're going to take a look at that, and then we're going to draw, for some, draw from some other things as well. Uh, so it sh- should be a fun show today. Um, so let's start out. I mean, we wanted, we talked about this before the show. We kind of have a general plan of action. We're kind of also allowing the spirit to push us uh, where it will. Uh, because I think that's a great way to to do these shows, particularly when you're talking about the mystical and the esoteric aspects of things. But the first thing we're going to talk about, because we're using these words so loosely, is kind of a definition of those two words. I think that's always a good place to start, don't you? To kind of to kind of sure, ground ourselves. Yeah. Um, well, they get thrown around, and sometimes they're used in different ways. In different so ways. At yeah. least define them out as we're going to be using them. Yeah. Exactly. One, uh, another great book, and I'm at, we're not going to talk too much about this, but one that I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of is a book called Inner Christianity. It's called A Guide to the Esoteric Tradition. Um, that's its subtitle, Inner Christianity, A Guide to the Esoteric Tradition, by a, a writer called Richard Smalley, S-M-O-L-E-Y. Uh, fantastic book. And it's, uh, in the beginning of it, he's kind of doing the same thing. He's sort of defining these two ideas or these two terms, um, esoteric and uh and mystic actually uh he's looking at gnosis and esoteric i'm going to grab the definition of mystic from manly hall's mystical christ but um so gnosis is something that we've talked about before we did a show on gnosticism if you want uh, go check that out and there's a little bit of a deeper explanation about uh, what gnosticism is and so on but basically the word gnosis which is more or less the kind of stream of of christianity that we're we're talking about uh, to some degree, I mean, that's at least one branch of this mystical Christianity. Uh, but the word gnosis is a Greek word that basically means knowledge. I'm going to read uh, this little definition. So, so this is a knowledge of a very specific kind, direct, intuitive knowing that surpasses ordinary reason and confers spiritual liberation, confers spiritual liberation. Gnosis strongly resembles enlightenment as portrayed in Hinduism and Buddhism. So we can see from that definition uh, that it's a more inner inner knowing and inner knowing as opposed to just some some external knowledge. 
yes, there's knowledge, there's secret wisdom, et cetera, that's imparted by teachers, but the knowing itself, this gnosis that occurs is something that has to happen within. Uh, it's, it's not something that you can get from someone else. I mean, you can get the, the techniques and you can get some of the ideas that help point the way, but ultimately you're responsible for this sort of inner salvation yourself. And so that's, uh, that's gnosis. Um, the other one, an analogy that, just to interject, uh, um, yeah, please. I use with something that requires your work, mm-hmm. um, is say like weightlifting or learning an instrument, really any kind of sports or proficiency thing. You can have tutors and trainers, instructors, um, but they're not going to play the instrument for you. They're not going to lift the weights for you. Uh, but they can really go a long way to help you get going, but you still have to carry the weight. Uh, and the same exactly. thing with, uh, with this, you know, philosophic and, um, you know, mystical Christianity. That's a, that's a great way to put it. And, you know, in, in contrast to the inner, inner path or the sort of esoteric or mystical path, which is more of a, as we just said, a more of a works oriented kind of, um, thing where it's going to involve prayer and contemplation and meditation and, and good works and, you know, and, and study and, and scriptural understanding and all these different factors, you know, is the sort of exoteric church, um, which is, you know, kind of the, even today, the church is, is kind of similar to this in that, um, you know, you're going to show up and you're going to listen to a sermon and you're going to feel good for, you know, a day or two. And, you know, you might read the Bible or Torah or, you know, whatever, you know, scriptural reading you're, you're reading. I mean, mysticism is, is more general than just Christianity. Obviously, we're speaking specifically about mystical Christianity those today. So I'll stick with that. But, um, you know, you're going to go and kind of be, be, be filled with something from the outside in. You know, the church is going to kind of tell you some of the things you might need to do, and it's going to give you some, some guidelines. And, you know, the preacher's going to, you know, have an inspiring sermon that's going to make you feel good about yourself. And, and so on. And then that's not a bad thing. Um, but, but, you know, that's kind of more of a, an exoteric sort of a version of things versus an esoteric. And that's, that's what I'm going to get into now when I speak of this word uh, esoteric. So oftentimes this mystical, this, these branches of mystical Christianity um, that we're going to, that we're going to talk about a little bit um, are, are branded also esoteric. So this is, uh, this is from this book as well. The, uh, inner Christianity book that I, that I talked about knowledge that lives is often described as esoteric. The word esoteric is somewhat forbidding, usually connoting something obscure, exotic, and irrelevant to daily life. In short, something quote unquote far out, but etymologically, the word means exactly the opposite. It comes from the Greek esotero esotero which means further in you have to go further in yourself to understand what this knowledge is about so again you know the kind of distinction uh, that can kind of be made against you know between mystical or esoteric christianity sort of the secret teachings of christianity type varieties uh, of which there are uh, there are particular schools and stuff that we'll talk about, but then also within the sort of accepted church, there are mystics. There are certainly people that fall outside the normal pale of, you know, what the, the Orthodox church, you know, kind of tells you is, is the way of being and the way of doing things. Right. And so you have these people and we, Chris and I talked about this before the show, such as St. Teresa of Avila, 
St. John of the Cross, Meister Eckhart, um, St. Francis of Assisi. And, you know, you can go on and on and on with these particular saints, canonized or not, uh, who were kind of rebels and, you know, inner, inner mystics and were either persecuted or, you know, were certainly seen as being suspect at the time. Uh, but then later on become, you know, see, they come to be seen as whole, as holy people uh, because they've had these inner experiences and these inner transformations. Right. right. So, so that's, you know, that's kind of um, what we're getting at when we talk about the word mystic or mysticism or esoteric. And so when we speak about esoteric or mystic Christianity, uh, particularly as Manley Hall presents it in this chapter and, you know, other writers, uh, as well, it's a it's a stream of of Christianity that involves a more personal experience with the divine. In short, that's you know, great. Is that a terse? Yeah. yeah. So just to kind of get it that it's like saying, you know, one is more they like, sort of the exoteric or Orthodox Church that's more interested in dogma and and doctrine and correct ways of doing and being and thinking the the inner esoteric oriented practitioners or or movements would be more interested in the god within and how that would express itself in the outer world in your life and how how you how congruent you are with that god within and your actions on the outside whereas the exoteric church or the sort of traditional orthodox church of, of any you know different branches different religions from you know Judaism Catholicism any of the you know um the major you know the sort of major western faiths islam included you know are kind of more interested in um in the in the sort of rules and regulations and the correct beliefs than they are in you developing those things within i mean they want you to develop those things within certainly that's the goal but the church itself unfortunately because it's an institution it has its own bureaucratic life and you know you know financial necessity and so on you know has to sort of focus like you know it's the same as in a sense i mean you look at it like the church is somewhat like a university like it has good intentions you know, the idea is to educate, which is to draw from within, um, you know, that which is already there and, ex and help you express it. Unfortunately, generally speaking, you know, the academic world tends to try to, you know, control from without. In other words, like it has its methodologies and its, you know, experts and its people that you have to quote and its particular, you know, pet, pet principles and ideas that it hangs on to. And so on, just like just like church does, right? Mm -hmm. Well, it's a centralized power structure exactly. uh, of information and um, what is you know, let's say using the university uh, angle that you know what is considered academic, what is uh, okay to put in the curriculum, what yep. books are forbidden. Sure, uh, exactly. But with with you know mysticism, that's why it's um, frustrating for, for some of these, uh, you know, centralized power structures, uh, involving different doctrines of theology, uh, is that they lose or feel like they're going to lose their control. And, uh, in, in another way of looking at it, it's almost like if everyone had a, you know, solar panels and a garden in their house, well, then the 
the power in the food industries, you know, would, would lose some of their control over you. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think there's that element of it to that. That's a good point is that that sort of centralized control. And again, I don't think it, you know, I think some people kind of frame that as a conspiracy, like they have the knowledge and they're trying to keep it from us. And we need to, you know, we need to, you know, steal that knowledge and find the secret knowledge and dig it up and expose the truth. And I think there is, there is some of that element that does need to be done, but I think moreover, it's, it's, it's done out of, I think a sort of, um, there is a, there's care behind it. In other words, I think oftentimes the church and churches and temples and organized religion are trying to protect people from a raw experience of the divine, which can be, you know, can, can be debilitating in some ways, you know, I mean, you talk about the Bible, you know, you can't look at God directly in the face and, you know, and there's all these sort of, uh, there's these symbolic representations of, you know, the divine and, and, and the divine sort of wrathful aspects or, or dangerous aspects and so on. And there is, there's, there's truth to that. You know, there's, there's definitely a power in this, in this, um, in this divine energy and so on. And, and if, if, if you're unprepared for, for exposure to it, to visions and to, to different types of energies that might manifest and so on, you know, it can, it can be dangerous to people and their, and their mental health and their physical and spiritual well-being. So, I mean, I think the idea was the church was, you know, trying to sort of step that power down somewhat through ritual and through symbol and through organization and help people to find a sort of, uh, you know, way of doing things. And again, like kind of using the analogy of, 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 the, of school or university, you know, providing a curriculum of instruction and a sort of graded path in order to achieve, you know, a more direct relationship with the divine. But, you know, I think people, both followers and, you know, and, um, and the, you know, the authorities, the, the sort of church authorities and the structure involved there, we can, you know, we all kind of get off track to some degree. And then, like you said, it becomes somewhat of a power structure or bureaucratic enterprise. And, you know, then it's trying to kind of defend itself and today i mean the church obviously is under attack from from all sides in a lot of ways and i and i don't just mean the catholic church but just kind of faith and 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 religion in general uh because of misunderstandings because of you know different types of scientific discoveries and because of you know the ground that we've covered in terms of neuroscience and and all these different technological advances we've made, then a lot of the, uh, the ideas of the church are, are seen as being antiquated or antithetical to truth or, or, or this sort of thing. And, you know, that's just one side of it. You know, then, the, then you've got, you know, people that, that just don't want to follow any kind of doctrine or dogma and don't want to have any kind of rules whatsoever because they just want to live this hedonistic materialist lifestyle and that, you know, the church is kind of, hampering me doing my own thing man you know it's like i want you know what i mean and it's like and i can understand that i mean we want to live our own lives and all that but but the thing about it and you know one of the positive things you know that the that the exoteric sort of church brings and the exoteric you know religious movements brings is 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 a structure and an order and we do need that you know you need structure in order to find true freedom because true freedom 
is not just doing whatever you want whenever you want to do it. You know, that's actually a sort of a slavery to the senses. That's a slavery to materiality in a lot of ways or, or to experience. Well, you're just blown by the wind, too. You're blown by the wind. With opinion yeah. or circumstance. Uh, Absolutely. Not a very strong foundation. I think the point is that either extreme um, is really not yes. favorable. If yeah. you are encumbered by rules and rituals and you have to sit facing this way and doing that, and then you're losing the purpose of these rituals exactly. or these rules, exactly. then they're really empty and they don't help you in your life. And of course there's going to be a rebellion or just even a turning away from those structures yeah. that are, um, that really at that point are keeping you down more than they are lifting you up. But you're right. If it's uh, experimenting with psychedelics and, well, I'm just going to read this and read that. Uh, that's fine for exploration. Um, but then you're just sort of out, out on your own. Yeah. And you know, unless you can really well, develop a strong personal philosophy of life, uh, it, it can be, um, it can do like the opposite of what, what a exactly. religion is supposed to do is to give you a home, to give you peace, to give you hope and a plan for your everyday life as well as the future. It's absolutely that's 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 a very good point. And so, you know, this is where the balance of the middle road and the middle way come into play, I think, you know, um, and and kind of uh, developing a sense of discipline and an understanding. Um, you know, one of the one of the challenges and we talk about this a lot is that, you know, a literal interpretation or a literal following of rules and regulations is is very dangerous and very stifling. Um, you know, you're not going to find truth in literal interpretations of, of any kind of, you know, symbolic information, even if it is historically accurate, quote unquote, you know, a, a literal interpretation of it doesn't give you any meaning. Uh, it doesn't get to the symbolic heart of things. So like you're saying, like, so if you're just going through the motions, for example, of following this or that particular ritual or going through the motions of, you know, taking communion or something, and you're not really experiencing it and understanding and internally knowing or having some sort of a gnosis of what that means and why you're doing it and feeling that sort of, sort of um, the participatory, uh, you know, divinity while you're doing it, then you're kind of just going through the motions, right? And so, in, and then um, on the other hand, if you have no boundaries and no structure and no mythology to live from and no stories and scripture and sacred sort of understanding of things, you know, you, you, have, you have a sort of uh, nihilism, um, you know, an emptiness or uh, a lack of meaning and it, you know, it's just, it's, you see that you see that today and just a really sort of morose and sort of depressed view of life that there really is no meaning to it because you've stripped away all the symbolic and divine meaning behind things. Just said, Oh, these are just stories people have made up to explain, you know, things that they didn't understand that now we can explain with science. And now I understand quote unquote, this process, but now I've stripped it of all meaning. And what is understanding or, or, or information without any meaning, without any value behind it? And that's where really, you know, where, where this mysticism steps in to, to provide that. It's, it's, it's sort of an intermediary between materialism and, you know, and 
kind of anarchy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that or, or or even the opposite of the materialism or the anarchy. But on the one side, you know, it's more the human. But you know, or the the sort of you know ossified, sort of calcified ideas of what the divine is on on the other. And this is you know, and the dogmatic and you know even oppressive. Uh, view of religion that that sometimes can can come through in these more extreme extreme messages um, well there's even evidence of this in uh, in the Bible that um, particularly in the New Testament about the difference between the letter of the law following the letter of the law or following the spirit spirit of the yeah. law which you know the letter of the law um, you know kills and the spirit of the law giveth life um, yeah exactly but there's one in particular well there's there's a lot about um some of the criticism i think in the new testament you hear uh, jesus f- uh, facing from the existing religious structure namely the fair you know the priests and the scribes of the uh, the hebrew tradition in the near east uh one of the one in particular um uh, had to do with um you know, people were eating the wrong thing or something on the wrong day or facing the wrong direction. And it's like, you know, gosh, how could you do this? They were really criticizing him and his followers. And, um, and he says, it's not what goes into your mouth that defiles you. It's what comes out of your mouth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Def- so, you know, and that's Buddhism right there. Sure. Thought, speech and action. Yeah. Where speech is really important. And if you just, as an aside, you know, we're not really talking about, you know, mystic Buddhism or esoteric Taoism, uh, because a lot of those uh, Eastern uh, you know, structures are uh, are inherently mystic. Well, They're really all about you finding your way. But there is a path. There's yeah. the Eightfold Noble Path. But then it's you to walk the path. It's for you to sure. make those discoveries and enlightenments uh, within yourself. That's a good point. You know, and I, you know, and, and, Christianity certainly had, uh, you know, different, uh, different phases and, and there's obviously, uh, different denominations in the church and, and their understandings of the Bible are all quite different. So, so, you know, we can't really overgeneralize, but on the other hand, you know, there is a sort of exoteric understanding, you know, when I say exoteric, I mean, like traditional or sort of orthodox understanding of what the Bible means and, and so on. And, and oftentimes, you know, the, the, what's been emphasized is, is an idea of correct belief and correct sort of um, doctrinal and dogmatic understanding and a sort of assent to those ideas as being the primary uh, requisite for, for, for salvation, let's call it. So, you know, so it's and that's kind of in a, in a weird way, that's kind of a more more modern idea um, in terms of, uh, you know, in terms of the faith, uh, because, you know, for example, Judaism is much more about actions and, and your, your, your particular, your responsibility, and you're trying to kind of work through your own, uh, you know, your own issues and so on, and your responsibility, you know, to the community and to, to God in terms of what you, what you need to accomplish and so on. Mo- you know, modern Christianity comes kind of along and, and says, well, no, all you need is, is the grace of God and, and the correct belief and an assent to, you know, this particular idea, and then you'll be, you'll be saved. And, you know, and that kind of, that's a kind of a more modern idea. That's really a more Protestant idea in, in essence, because, you know, the, the Catholic church itself, I mean, is more about works, I would, I would argue, than the modern, you know, version of Protestant 
baptism that we understand Christianity as today, you know, because even if it was, let's say in the Catholic Church, even if, uh, you know, it's through the church that you're, you know, that you're doing your works, your penance, you know, you're doing, um, uh, you know, you know, you're, you're, let's say you're doing, uh, you know, community work and, you know, you're doing confession and you're going to mass and you're doing all these things that you need to do. And you're, you know, you're, you're saying you're our fathers and our Hail Marys and so on that the priest is assigned to you because you've sinned or what have you, you know, it was about doing something. There was, there was still a, there was still a work sort of element. You know, I think I was in James or said faith without works is, is dead. Um, you know, cause it really, it requires, it requires both. And I think there's been an emphasis on belief or a certain right idea. If I just say, uh, you know, cause like even as an example, you look at like Joel Osteen and this is not a criticism because I like Joel Osteen, but at the end of the show, it's like, you know, he has his little, uh, he has his thing where he's like, you know, you ask Jesus into your heart and to forgive you of your sins. And you say, you know, if we, and I think he says something like, if you, if you do that, we believe you've been saved, you know, and then he says, join a church. And that's, you know, there's nothing wrong with that idea. I'm not, I'm not debating against that. But I mean, it, it's an it's it's a sort of an assent to a particular idea, and not about an inner knowing or inner work that you're doing to try to become closer to God. It's about saying, you know, I believe this and I believe that, and I'm and I'm you know, and I'm sorry. And that's a good you know, that's a good step toward step in the right direction. But I think it's um, it's a, it's only part of the answer. You know, it is it is good to 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 have a forgiveness of of yourself and of others, obviously, and you need that, and to have a belief in that something is is higher than yourself that can save you. Those are both necessary ingredients, right? Mm-hmm. But then I think the mystic goes further, and then says, "Okay, I'm going within, and I'm going to explore this, investigate this, embody this, and soul this." So, any you know, well, it's like the old joke, if you know. If you talk to God, you're praying. If God talks to you, you're crazy. <laughs> um, but a mystic might might say, "Well, you know, I, I have a conversation. Yeah, uh, I have a relationship. God's my friend. God's my uh, not only my savior, if you will, yeah. or guide, uh, but also someone who's there, someone who's got your back." Yeah, you know, in twelve uh, step addiction recovery, with which I'm fairly familiar, um, it, the generic term is used a, a higher power. Um, some people are, are uncomfortable with the God word in, in those rooms, and that's understandable. Many of them are, <laughs> became alcoholics because they were wounded by uh, the church of their, their families. Um, but having this higher power, and it's uh, often referred to as an inner power, mm-hmm. uh, it may have a, an origin or a source you know, in the great beyond, but it has a life inside each one of us. And that's the mystic path, that we have a drop of this or a connection um, to this vast um, you know, wisdom and power, yeah. uh, if you will, uh, that what we have to do is cultivate that within ourselves. Uh, it's not just how many, you said, Hail Marys, or if you show up at church on time, mm-hmm. or things, you know, those can be good because the human fellowship is, is yeah. really important. Uh, and you can get reconnected with these ideas and you can hear a good sermon and go, you know what, that, that did yeah. wake up something yeah. within me. But, but that's where it lives, is yeah. within you. And that's where it, when you go home <laughs> from church on Sunday or yeah. temple on Saturday, you want to bring that home with you. Exactly. Um, throughout the week. And if you need a recharge the next week, we'll keep coming back. But um, 
but it's not it's not some distant out there uh, removed it may feel like that yeah but it only feels like that because we've maybe lost that interconnection to it yeah uh, so all these you know certainly i think a lot of the goals of the the mystical path uh, is really that you see god everywhere uh, in everyone every mm-hmm. bit mm-hmm. of dirt is is holy land yeah uh, yeah, exactly. even the terrible, horrible things that people do and ravages of nature, um, that there is an order, there is a uh, purpose uh, behind it all. Even if we're not clear what that is, there is a purpose for our lives, even though that isn't always clear. Uh, but like the headlights of a car when you're driving at night, you don't need to light up the whole landscape. Mm-hmm. You, know, you, you just need the 250 feet in front of you. Uh, to see where you're going and not go off the road. Yeah. And sometimes that's enough. And may, and oftentimes that's, you know, that may be all we get, but it's enough. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, let me just point this out because I was I wanted to read this earlier and I, I forgot. Uh, but this comes from Manly Hall's book, The Mystical Christ. Um, just to kind of get back to the idea of mysticism in general, I, I love the way he puts this. Mysticism is not a sect or a creed. It is a conviction deriving its authority from the natural instincts of the human heart. The desire to know intensifies the rational faculties in the mind and the intuitive powers of the soul. Um, so, oh, and then he says, that, I love this line, it is, it is the way of the heart to ensoul knowledge, to bring dead things to life and to bestow its own warmth and light upon the aloofness of wisdom. So the mysticism is the heart side of things. It's the more, um, you know, intuitive sort of quality. Yes, that it does involve philosophy and it does involve oftentimes secret teachings and it does involve different practices and meditation and so on. But generally speaking, it's the way of the heart, uh, the way of the heart. So, you know, you're really trying to embody and ensoul these, these messages that you're hearing. And, you know, you can, be, um, you can be a member of a specific church or movement or so on um, and still have a different understanding of, of the teachings that are coming through to you. And that's one of the things that I think is, um, is interesting because uh, – Really, you know, I think sometimes we think, well, you know, I don't agree with everything, my faith or, you know, this tradition I grew up in or whatever has to tell me and I've outgrown it and this and that. It doesn't mean you've outgrown, though, the uh, the need for fellowship or the need for ritual or the need for beautiful art and music and, and so on that the church can or the or the temple or wherever you want to go can bring you uh, because oftentimes those things are very helpful. Now you may have a different understanding than than your you know than the person sitting on your left, uh, or than even the 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 particular person officiating you know the priest the rabbi whatever that's that's up there, uh, but you know you can still experience that stuff and um, you know bring your own knowledge to it and that's you know that's more of a path of of mysticism than you know because you're you can part- you're participating in the world. But you're doing so with a more uh, divine understanding. You're cultivating that divine within yourself. Um, so anyway, get, to get back to uh, to Manly Hall's stuff, I wanted to talk a little bit about some of these movements because these are these are really interesting. Some of these movements and um, and different different factions and groups that you know throughout history that some of us are familiar with that you'd actually 
you know, we're propagating some of these ideas at, you know, at great, uh, um, how can I say this, at uh, great uh, danger to themselves uh, and their followers, because the church, you know, as we know, in, 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 in earlier times was, was obviously not very tolerant and was all powerful. Uh, you know, it was, it was part of the government and it was, you know, it was people were tortured and killed routinely who disagreed with it and so forth. So these groups, I mean, really had a, had uh, a conviction and a certain understanding that they, uh, that they were following that was, you know, was, it was, it was, it was quite dangerous. Some of these groups, of course, we know, uh, you know, we talked most popularly we've seen recently, um, you know, is, uh, it comes, is, is the, the Da Vinci Code, uh, the idea that there's this whole secret teaching, you know, so secret teachings order uh, behind the church and so on that comes down through the temp, you know, Knights Templars and Gnostics and some of these groups that, you know, the idea, one of the ideas is that, um, that Jesus actually uh, did not die uh, during the crucifixion, but instead, uh, lived much, uh, you know, a, a much more conventional life in that he was married and had children and so on. Um, so that's kind of the idea of that. And that idea does come from from some of these different orders. Uh, there were, you know, what were known as Johannite followers of, of St. John. Uh, there were these Essene groups, as, you know, going back into history, like I said, the Knights Templar, some of the, um, the Cathars, uh, we're, we're a sort of breakaway group of Christians that the church eventually uh, um, called heretics. And I think that they had to, what did they do? They, uh, they actually ended up, I believe, killing most of them. Um, and, you know, and some of these people had these different, these different ideas, obviously, that, that are still, still around today. What's interesting is, though, that, you know, a lot of these ideas that were, that were so underground are actually in all of our, you know, kind of new age ideas today. I mean, you see it in A Course in Miracles, this more uh, direct sort of, you know, Christ within sort of idea. Uh, the interesting thing, though, about all of these, these ideas is that, I mean, they are grounded biblically. I mean, Jesus, you know, in the scriptures, uh, you know, does say the kingdom of heaven is within you and, and Luke. And, you know, Paul says, you know, the Christ of, the Christ with, within uh, the hope. What is it? The Christ within hope and Christ glory. in you. Christ in you. There we go. That's my biblical. In you, not not in you. Door. Exactly. Far away. That's the. Thank you for middle. rescuing me from my poor, uh, <laughs> <laughs> my poor memory. Um, well, we both had a teacher, Obadiah Harris, who uh, was quite fond of he, Paul. He was in his he was, letters. He was. Yeah. He was. But so so you know these ideas are in in scripture. It's just that you know you. You know, we've seen, uh, you know, as the years have went by that kind of like the more conservative elements of the church have sort of de-emphasized those where these mystical uh, groups have sort of re, you know, invigorated and re, you know, vitalized those ideas. Rosicrucian groups, you know, the modern version of them and even the, you know, the, the earlier version of Rosicrucians uh, who, you know, wrote the Fama Fraternitatis and some of these uh, mystical documents, the alchemists, um, you know, these were groups that were, you know, contemporary, even when the, when the church was at, you know, height of its powers in the middle ages and, and, and into the early Renaissance and stuff, it's, you know, grip on people began slipping obviously during the reformation and, 
and after the Renaissance and, and obviously into the Enlightenment era. But um, the, uh, you know, these, these, these movements are always a sort of underground stream. There's always an underground stream of this sort of inner, inner tradition, you know, and it followed into the, the magical groups of the 19th century, the Golden Dawn and the OTO and some of these groups. And, you know, they all have their roots in this sort of Gnostic, Hermetic, um, you know, alchemical uh, sort of milieu that, you know, that really kind of comes out of, you know, really the ancient Near East and more or less the Alexandrian sort of wisdom and knowledge that existed there where the, all these streams of thought came together in, you know, in Egypt um, and, and, you know, it was a very rich and fertile, fertile time where the early Christianity uh, was, was, was a part of that mix and these Gnostic ideas and, you know, the Mithraic ideas and so on. There's so much rich, a rich wealth of all these different uh, ideas. And, and the unfortunate thing that I think that happened is that as, you know, Christianity began to consolidate as the, as the, um, sort of religion of the empire, you know, the Roman empire, it began to seek out and destroy any ideas that were similar and any ideas that were completely different from it. You know, it wanted to look completely unique. And so it tried to crush out all knowledge of these previous um, incarnations that it had absorbed and these previous ideas that it had absorbed and it, that it, you know, and were even reflected. I'm not even saying necessarily even borrowed them but they're they're archetypal things that occur in any sort of spiritual growth pattern right so that you see oh you know the life of jesus is very similar to the story of dionysus very similar to the story of Attis or orpheus or in some ways and you know there's elements of this and there's elements of egyptian religion and horus and you know and and then people get the false idea that oh well it's all just constructed from all these different ideas and then they you know did this and they did that I mean, the reason why there's all these similarities, I believe, and a lot of people believe, I think you believe this as well, is that there's an archetypal foundation underneath that. There's universal truth running throughout all of these different ideas. They're similar. Yes, and all these particular yeah. ones are just you know, specific. Iterations. You know, exactly. Yeah. They're just, it's the hero with a thousand faces or the, uh, you know, the hero's journey. This is just yeah. another one of an infinite there could be a hundred more that we're talking about Mithraism and Quetzalcoatl um, you know, in the, the, um, you know, the Mesoamerican yeah, Orphic, Orphic rites. You know. Where do you think the Christmas tree came from? The, the fir, the, uh, the evergreen, they, those trees didn't really grow in the no. Near East, in the desert. So, you know, these, these, they were all pulled in. That's a very interesting point you made that they were kind of usurped, that they were. And what that did is see the Romans um, being <laughs> an empirical um, force, and, uh, imperial or empirical? Oh, they well they imperial. Were, yeah, yeah, empirical. Yeah, they they did they, their they own were, research. Uh, they were. They, they, it's they, an they, empirical they, truth <laughs> that they were an imperial society. <laughs> yes. How about Thank that? you. That's <laughs> why like you that? saved that one. Yeah. That's, yeah, yeah, that's great. Mm -hmm. um, but but they approached you know the religion with that kind of yeah. attitude, and to backtrack um, during you know, say like around the, the turn of the year zero or year one, you know, when the, uh, the current era uh, began uh, at the height of their power, um, you know, they allowed all the different local regions uh, 
to practice their local traditions mm -hmm. and religions in their own way. They were, they were very old. You still had to pay yep. Caesar. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, as long as you pay your taxes and, and you know, and, and kind of do what we say, you can, what you do in the synagogue or the, you know, temple's fine. Uh, they weren't going to compete with that because they didn't really have a religion of their own per se. Yes, there's, you know, Roman gods and, you know, a huge tradition there. Uh, but because the empire. But even those uh, were, were, out. were, you know, have. Well, they were all stolen from the exactly. Greeks. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> they just changed yeah. the names, you know. They became Mars sure. and whatnot. Sure. Um, but then it's it's a very interesting thing, though, that once you know, with through Constantine and Constantine and the uh, Nicene Council, when they really had to canonize uh, these different ideas of early Christianity and what it means and what it doesn't mean. How old was Jesus? How many years did he uh, do his ministry? Uh, they had to settle on some yep. story. <laughs> they had to get, and which kind of makes sense. It really does. But they brought that attitude of conquest and conformity um, into it. And really, the you know Holy Roman Church, you know, is is really just the condensed, reformed, not reformed in Reformation, but in yep. a new form or different form. Um, of the Roman Empire, that still is, Vatican City is basically the Roman Empire within, within Rome. If you want to look at it yep. like that, uh, and, and take that historic, uh, you know, bend on it, um, but they kind of had to do that. But you really brought up a good point, though, that once they absorbed these other traditions and said, "Oh yeah, oh sure, he was born on the twenty fifth. Oh yeah, he was dead for three days and came back." And whether that came from mm -hmm. Egyptian mm -hmm. or Chaldean, or, yep. you know, or fixed sources, uh, but then they threw those other ones away. Saying, oh no, those are pagans. You don't want those. Those are the, you know, ours is the the real. Yeah. One. But but they were archetypal and they they're universal, and well, they're astronomical that you can't get around, regardless of your particular sure. religion. If the sun stops, the sun dies for three yeah. days on the winter solstice, and that's what solstice means. It's the sun yeah. stops. <laughs> uh, that's you could like, again. You could have a hundred different religions or a thousand. Um, that all draw could all draw from that, although they may appear to have different faces mm -hmm. or a different clothing or a different name and seem very different underneath it all. Well, that's uh, very much exactly. The same. And I think that is what's kind of what's interesting to me is that I think probably as time goes on, if if you know if if christianity is to to remain relevant and vibrant to people i think it's going to have to start to acknowledge some of its own history and and open up open up much more and realize that those are strengths the fact that those 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 types of sacred stories are present in other religions and other you know god forms and other you know, mythological elements and some sim symbolic uh, representations in other, in other religions is actually a strength as opposed to a weakness. Yeah. It's like the, 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 the real, the real, I think tragedy is that it's, you know, that, that Christ the sort of weakness, I guess, in, in sort of um, really conservative and Orthodox Christianity of any stripe, you know, is that it's saying this is the one way, the only way, and the only 
you know, the only vehicle or, or methodology by which one can get to God. And, you know, by doing so you're, you're, you're taking, first of all, you're, you know, you're eliminating a lot of the truth of your own historical antecedents that led up to where you are. But then you're also like saying, well, all of these other people that follow different religious paths that are different sort of ideas or faces of, of God that I don't understand, they're all, they're all wrong and they're all going, you know, straight to hell. And, you know, beyond being extremely arrogant, I mean, it's, 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 it's an incredibly limited viewpoint when you look at, you know, the history of religious studies and you look at the development of, you know, religions and mythology and so on. And you begin, you know, if you can open up and realize like, okay, these ideas are archetypal ideas. This is my understanding of them. And this is the way that I interpret them and the way that I sort of um, experience them. But the way that, you know, this, that someone experiences Krishna or Buddha or the way that someone else experiences, you know, their particular form of how they, they see God and these different powers uh, is 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 equally valid. The invisible behind that is the same. It's these these faces that we put on these localized representations of what we think this thing is, you know, are all going to be necessarily different. They have to do with our culture. They have to do with our particular, you know, ethnicity. They have to do with our particular place and time and when we're born and where we're born and the t- topography of the area we live in and and the whole milieu of of all these different experiences that go into being a human. Right. And that's the sort of local, you know, and those are, you know, that's the difference Like when Campbell would talk about the, the elementary, you got this from Ada, Ada Bastian, the idea of the elementary or the local, the, the elementary ideas are the archetypal ideas. So it's like, Hey, there's, this is particular living and dying God or this particular, you know, storm God or this particular, you know, energy or quality. Um, you know, archetypally speaking is like the, the sort of, you know, the big, the big version of it, I guess. And then the, the localized version would be, this is our version of that particular idea. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. And local can also mean not just a place, but also time. Sure. Yeah. You know, absolutely. The time where you live. So if you take something like the, you know, the Christian myth that um, at least the part of it where you have this God man, where, um, God uh, became flesh in the human of Jesus. Um, well, of course, then there was the debate whether or not it was a man that became God, but, uh, but this mm-hmm. descent that this, it came down from above and it's virgin birth. And we have this holy child, this golden child, uh, savior of the world. Um, that's, that's also in the Superman story. You have, you know, his father, uh, Jarrell, I think his name, and he was far away and it was an old man with a beard and he sent his son down to earth. And because he was from somewhere else here on earth, he, you know, is endowed with certain properties and mm-hmm. powers that, uh, that we you know, don't possess, maybe lightly, perhaps, uh, you know, to save, you know, the world and humanity and peace and justice in the American way or yeah. however the story goes. But, but that's, you know, if you kind of peel that one back. Well, Superman's really name is, is different. Cal-L. Cal-L and L in Semitic languages means Not God. Halloween. Yeah. yeah. So the, there's, you know, there's that element of it yeah. too that I don't think was probably lost on that particular particular writer. 
So, but it was yes. in the story. Yes, it had to be there. Now, then, see, the idea with these archetypes is that you want to cover them up and not cover them up to hide them necessarily, but hide them in the way that you would hide, you know, the brush strokes or the process things of a painting. Mm. Um, or the gears that are inner workings mm -hmm. or something, um, or say like a sculpture has like an armature underneath that there's a wire frame holding the, like the Statue of Liberty is, if you peeled the skin off the statue, yeah. it would just look horrible. It looked like some crazy 18th century mechanistic. It. Yeah. But it has to have this underneath, but, but you want to cover it so you have the, you now have this story yeah. because you don't want to just look at the code. You want to see the, the, the product you want to see the thing. yeah and that archetype underneath um, is that invisible framework it's that 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 invisible pattern or i think von franz called it a like a crystalline structure or something it's like the it's like uh, the, the you know what i mean it undergirds or it's the sort of matrix uh, from which something can develop and it is a particular force or a particular energy uh, that that comes forth. So there's you know there's an archetypal father energy. There's an archetypal mother energy. There's an archetype of initiation. There's archetypes of you know all of these different experiences that we have as 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 human beings that you know we see them on a macrocosmic level, which we talked about before. I think in last week's episode. And then there's the microcosmic level, as above, so below. So what we're, you know we're it's, it, when we say that. These things are archetypal. We say that these things are, are localized versions of things. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't mean that they don't exist outside. It means that we're, you know, we see something reflected within ourselves and then we see something reflected without ourselves, you know, without meaning, you know, outside of ourselves. And then eventually we see that those two are one, you know, and there is no, no uh, separation between inside and outside. And, you know, but it's and that's where true enlightenment yeah. comes is, is when you can see the outer and the inner, the visible and the invisible, the macro and the micro uh, being inseparable, being two parts of the same yeah. thing and working together and then finding your place, which is generally um, somewhere in yeah. between. We're in between the micro and the macro. We are between the invisible and the invisible, the heaven and the earth sure. man stands <laughs> at the this liminal you know boundary between yeah. the two and we have a foot in the earth and we have our you know head to the stars yeah exactly uh, even just just standing on this planet so and i think so the um, you know kind of getting back to you know the mystical element and mystical christianity i think you know the diff maybe the diff difference in 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 the main of between you know like we said between that sort of mystical christianity sort of conventional or you know, the more accepted versions of Christianity is that the mystical uh, versions of Christianity, you know, seek, seek within first and they seek God and the understandings and the truths within, and then they want to reflect that out. Um, it's not that they don't believe in a God, you know, exterior to themselves or something higher. I'm not trying to say, you know, Oh, my little ego is God, but they're trying to say, okay, look, you know, this, I'm, I, the only way I can really understand this mystery is to go, is to go within first and, and then to, to see things reflected on the outside and to find that understanding that way. Whereas like more, a more conventional approach is, well, I'm going to go through these particular rituals and I'm going to understand, you know, this particular sermon, or I'm going to, you know, study scripture and I'm going to, you know, pray to and through, 
to you know God, you know, and and in a more sort of I want to say it's in a sense it's a more separate way. Like you see that you know two two things as being more separate. Where I think a mystic tends to look at things as being more more whole, and and they see that that microcosm and macrocosm thing as more of a reflection. And that you know that comes from you know more Gnostic or Kabbalistic tradition of this idea of emanations that you know we're an emanation or a spark of the divine you know, in this trapped in this material flesh, in a sense, that there is something within us divine that needs needs regeneration, or it needs, uh, it needs release. release. Yeah. Or, or then that's more of that idea of, of enlightenment, that that seed of enlightenment is already within us, and it needs to be cultivated so that it can grow and create that 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 gnosis or that, you know, that esoteric sort of knowledge where it, where there's a freedom and a sort of breaking through like that mukti or liberation sort of thing that's talked about in you know in the hindu traditions you know or nirvana yeah, or the moksha. moksha uh or any of these different uh different types of types of ideas that uh, you know that refer that refer to to release from bondage essentially but you know the acknowledgement then finally is with the bondage with, within within ourselves and that, you know, so that you could actually have, you know, freedom, but be, you know, but not be, not have liberty. In other words, you could be locked in jail, but you could still have an internal freedom, spiritual freedom. So that's, that's, that's a more internal or mystic point of view. Um, and not everybody's ready for that. Or, and I don't think society uh, prepares us no. for a mystic approach. Yeah, true. Um, you know, it's, it's, there's, you know, I think we're prepared for a scientific approach to a literal interpretation, historic yeah. uh, viewpoint. Uh, I think that's what, but that's where we are in this stage and yeah. age um, of society. I'm not blaming anybody. It's just where we are in our evolutionary uh, development. Sure. Um, but I think we're starting to see the edges mm -hmm. of that mm -hmm. though. Um you know, our, our infallible science um, is being conducted by fallible scientists yeah. because they're humans. And, we, you know, we're starting to see some chinks in sure. the armor. And one of the things that, um, you know, a church, uh, the church or a church uh, or a, you know, a little more dogmatic uh, spiritual tradition has is that it's, it tries to give you certainties in an uncertain world. Science is really great at giving you certainties. Mm -hmm. uh, of the things that yeah. it can, <laughs> the things that it doesn't yeah. know, it tries, and I think it really just makes things worse by trying sure. to be certain about something that's really unknowable. Well, it doesn't, and it also can't um, provide any any values or philosophical understandings because it's not designed to do that. But it tries to do that all the time. No, there's no meaning, or and yeah. it's, you know, so that's that's one of the challenges. No, you're, that's a that's a very good point. So, so if you find yourself where the current and historic traditions of mainstream or organized religion, a term people use a lot, um, aren't working for you. Um, and you've been seeking on your own uh, through atheism and scientism um, or, you know, more, um, you know, foreign, I guess, or, um, uh, you know, new mm -hmm. agey or uh, Eastern or something a little more exotic. Um, tradition and trying to find it and you're still 
not quite, that doesn't seem to quite do it either. I think uh, you might find yourself a, a really good candidate for a mystic approach to really whatever. Yeah tradition yep. you want to follow but, but and that's where uh, because it transcends exactly. what it is the mystic transcends the christianity it transcends the you know islam or well, Judaism it does or, and that's why mystics, you know that's why they have you know books like aldous huxley's perennial philosophy where he finds all these 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 different quotes and these different ideas that come from mystics you know from islam and from judaism and from christianity and from from china and you know taoism and Buddhism and all these different, you know, Japanese faiths, Shinto, whatever, all these different faiths, the mystics tend to agree on most of these archetypal points. Uh, you know, who argues about things is, you know, mem mostly members of, of, you know, quote unquote, orthodox or organized churches. You know, the mystics themselves are too busy trying to find things to find things in common with each other. And that's kind of, you know, that's another one of the the, the, the different things. So, so, you know, one of the things, why, one of the strengths of mystical Christianity and trying to find, you know, your, yourself in that path, whether it's through, you know, the Rosicrucian teachings or through, you know, alchemy or hermetic Christianity or Gnosticism or any of these more inner Christian paths, which, you know, there are, you know, hundreds, if not thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of different books and, you know, lectures and, you know, even, even there are even churches that follow these paths. I mean, there's not a huge amount of them, but there's some, you know, even even some of these movements like like unity and, you know, and mind science, you know, and Holmes's stuff and so on. You know, they do have their their roots do go back to these these ideas in mystical Christianity. They do, you know, they do uh, reference the Bible and they, they, they do interpret it in a much different way. Um, but my, my point with saying all this is a lot of a lot of people you know, I've had a somewhat of a Christian upbringing, or at least they've grown up around Christianity. They understand some of the, you know, the Old Testament, New Testament stories and, or, you know, you're, you know, you were in church at one time and then you found that, you know, you just couldn't, couldn't take it anymore or something because, you know, some particular teaching or whatever. But, you know, this archetypally speaking, those images are still within you. You know, and they're still valid archetypal transformational images that can have a, a really, really positive and beneficial effect on you. Um, but you've got to approach them from a different angle. So that's the thing about it. This is why I say mystical Christianity, I think, can can oftentimes be a very valuable path, especially for people in the West, because, our, our you know, our traditions are steeped in, you know, Judeo-Christian traditions and, and stories whether we like to acknowledge that or not. And so there is, that's sort of in our DNA in a lot of ways. So, you know, one of the ways to be able to work with those images instead of against them, or instead of, you know, taking this path of atheism, which is because I'm really, I find sometimes a lot of the atheists that I meet are really anti-Christian. They're not specifically atheists. Yes, yes They're yes, just uh, yeah, no, and they don't hide I, I, it either. They're just the hostile terms, yeah. to to fundamentalist fundamentalist and fundamentalism in general, but particularly the branch of fundamentalist Christianity that they've probably grown up in, and they're you know rebelling against oftentimes, or what have you. I'm not I'm not trying to characterize all atheists in the same way, but I'm saying some many of the atheists that I've met are are, are extremely hostile to Christianity in particular. You don't see them you know, railing against, um, you know, the Bhagavad Gita. So I'm serious. So it's like, it's not necessarily just religion. I am not trying to, again, I'm not trying to 
stereotype. But the yeah. point is, is that oftentimes what people are reacting to is, is some bad experience they've had with fundamentalists or, you know, overly orthodox religious points of view. And that's not, let's just say that's not Jesus's fault. You know, and that's not the apostles' no. fault, and that's not the mystics' fault. It's not in the New Testament. It's not either. in the New Testament. So exactly, these works in greater ye yeah. shall do. So if that doesn't say mystic, exactly, what does? So it, it's 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 a matter of recovering the, you know, a lot of the truth that's already there, and that's where you know these these movements, like I said, like the Rosicrucians and the Knights Templars and some of these different groups that were persecuted, were trying to do just that. They were trying to say, hey, there's a truth in this, in these, and even in scripture that you're ignoring that's within. And, you know, Christ was telling us, you know, that the Christ within is what we're looking for. And, you know, and that's something completely different than maybe the historical Jesus is possibly. So how do we reconcile that? with his teachings and with the dogma and doctrine of the church and so on. And, and those are, those are all valid theological, you know, investigations and questions, but you know, the reality of the situation is that the real meat as you, as you'd want to call it of, of sort of, you know, religion and spirituality is in that inner experience, you know, and that can be found through these mystical traditions so if you do find yourself having leanings towards, you know, Christianity, for example, but you're like, I just can't get on board with the church, you can still be involved with your, your church. Just go outside of it and go inside of yourself for more of the, more of the answers that you're looking for. And, and you, know, you can be sitting there in, in the pew, for example, and, you know, interpreting that message that you're hearing in your own way. That's between you and God. That's not between you and the preacher. You know what I mean? And so this is the way we can right. maybe live in the world and in that, you know, that have a tradition to be a part of if we want um, and still, you know, follow, the, you know, and, and there's nothing antithetical. Like if, for example, if you want to study tarot or you want to study meditation and your church frowns on these things, that's between you and God. That's not between you and the church. This is just my opinion, but you have to go with your heart and follow your heart. If you want to go to church and you like that atmosphere, just keep it to yourself. The stuff that you're studying on the side, yeah. honest to God, it's like, I don't, why do I need to, you know, I don't need to argue with people and try to try to tell them what I believe and this and that. And that was one of the things that always, you know, turned me off to organized religion is like, I'm like, I would be like, well, I can't go to that, that particular group because I don't believe everything they say. That's a, that's a young person's attitude. It's like, you don't have to agree with anything or everything anyone says, and you can still be a part of a group. You know, you just have a clandestine spiritual life going on. I'm not saying you have to do that. Well, make sure you're developing Ex that That's yourself, what I'm saying. That you've cultivated your own inner strength. I've gone to, you know, or listened to people and, and hearing what the yeah. preacher is saying and go, oh, my God, this guy's totally missing the point. But the, I'm getting the point, even though maybe he doesn't understand the words he's saying or she is saying. Sometimes exactly. That too. Exactly. Um, but I'm getting something out of it. They're not. And they're <laughs> maybe, you but, know, here's the, maybe that's they okay. do have that understanding okay. within, but the constraints of the church doesn't allow them to preach that way. They're just like academia. They're bound know, by the rules and right? they have to bite their tongue too. So we have to remember, yeah. you know, that, that, that these, these experiences that we're having, I've been saying, you know, it's a mystical, approach to life does not require a, a, a church or a religious group.
But if there's, you know, if you feel like, wow, I'm kind of missing that, but I can't find a group that fits everything that I'm looking for, you know, maybe just need to make some concessions and go, you know, this group's pretty good and it's about 80% on my beliefs of my beliefs. And, you know, the rest of the stuff I'm going to do on my own and I'm not really too concerned. And yeah, if, I mean, if they raise a fuss and say, oh, you know, you're, you're a heretic, we can't have you be a part of the church. You know, if they find out that you're doing something they disagree with, well, then you're probably going to have to move on. But, in, you know, yeah. but if that doesn't occur, you know, a lot of times these listen and the Catholic Church is particularly this way. It's like a they're like the military. It's a don't ask, don't tell policy. It's seriously half the stuff that's going on that you're doing, which is like what they do, like the Catholic Church. And it's it's this is the work I did a lot in, uh, you know, in my master's degree. The Catholic Church in Brazil, as an example, the Catholic Church in Haiti, where there's a huge amount of of Catholics. Brazil is is like 85 percent Catholic or 90 percent Catholic or something like this. It's tremendous. They have almost the entire country. And yet at the same time, it is the richest place, the most authentic authentic you know afro afro caribbean type religion it's so it's very very close to what was going on in, in africa in terms of like from you know some of the traditions from nigeria the yoruba people and so on and even the congo people and different traditions that came in through through the legacy of slavery and so forth um, but it exists right within the church itself or right alongside of it and they've just had to make their peace with it and so they find that they just kind of anymore just don't really like if you're coming to mass and you're doing communion and you're, you know, you're going through the motions and you look like a Catholic, it's basically that's good enough for them. And, you know, this is no by no means um, is this any kind of official doctrine or, or dogma, but it's just the reality of the situation. And so I'm saying, like, you can find yourself as a part of a church and still participating in things that that, you know, maybe the church frowns on. Keep it to yourself. No one's asking. You know what I mean? And, and yeah. Well, in in a ways, that's where some of this stuff belongs. It's a personal anyway. thing. It needs to be out. Like we're yeah. talking about it, so people can get involved and maybe dig a little yeah. deeper. Uh, but it is a personal. I'm not thing. saying hide your truth either. I'm not saying like if if something you're doing mm -hmm. is like it's totally outside of the pale, you know, of the church, and you can't deal with the church. And, Sure, go your own way and do your own thing. And there are other groups that, that might work much better for you or different types of initiatory groups, what have you. Uh, but the point is, is that, you know, most of this stuff that we're talking about is internal. It's stuff that you do in, in private, in your own, you know, your own work between you and the divine. And so that's where you got to remember. It's like, I don't necessarily, like there's a strength in, in some ways about, like even Jesus said, you know, pray in your closet. Don't go out and pray in public, you know, so that you'll be, you know, you make, you know, you're not make, trying to make a spectacle out of yourself or trying to look pious. You're trying to create a, mm -hmm. a, a direct experience of the divine within, you know, so some of that work is going to happen in private. And so that's between you and what you think of as the divine. And that's mysticism, right? Yes. So, very All right. Nice. Well, you know, we've went uh, about a little bit over, uh, but I think we had a lot to talk about in this area. So I'm, I'm glad we did. Um, do you have anything else to add or any uh, parting, parting comments that you'd like to share? Parting, parting shots, shots at me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't well, like, like you. We'd go over quite a bit longer. Fundamentally, case, I don't but... like you. And here's why. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs>
But I'm going to keep, keep it to myself. Hey, keep that to your. Why don't you keep that between you and God, my friend? Make it a mystical experience. All right. Ah. There you go. Anyway, okay. So, so there's a little pause there. That means that that's actually true. That's what that yeah. says to me. It was. I was. I was just laughing was, um, in my own was. way. So, me and God are laughing at you right now. Oh my goodness! All right. Well, I don't have much more to say, so we'll we'll turn you guys loose. Uh, have a great week. Thank you for joining us each week on the Cosmic Eye Show. We hope we're imparting something, uh, you know, to you, and uh, we encourage you to go within and look for that esoteric and uh, Gnostic, quote unquote, that Gnosis uh, type of wisdom within where you're, you're really, uh, seeking that divine within yourself. And if you do it, you know, through a, a group or a church, Hey, great. If you do it on your own, that's great too. But, you know, do try to, to try to find those truths within and, and, and keep pursuing that and know that there is a divine source that is looking out for you. And, you know, it's guiding us all on, on our paths, uh, as we go through life, because life can be tough sometimes, but there is, there is always hope. Uh, thank you again for joining us. Uh, please uh, support us if you can at anchor.fm slash cosmic eye. Check out uh, chrissheridan.com and you can see Chris's book uh, there, The Spirit in the Sky, or check out cosmiceye.org where I have uh, my books up that we publish. Uh, mainly, I also, uh, and the book that I wrote, um, If You Can Worry, You Can Meditate, is on the front page there. Uh, so thanks again for joining us. Have a great week. Goodbye and God bless.